Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been yeah, just the Black Country Blokes to the fact about everything it is, mental health, disability and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner as always, Lee Catman. And today, we're joined by Dave Jones. So Dave, cheers brother for coming on. Well, thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. So before we get into today's story, we're going to start, as we always do, with our gratitude list. And it's always ungrateful for many things. I mean, I've got a great weekend coming up. My lad, Tom Jones, little Tom Jones, he's fighting the ABA quarterfinals on Friday. So if he wins on Friday, then he fights on Saturday in the semis, and then on Sunday in the final. But we've booked some rooms, and it's going to be a great laugh. Me, Josh, uh, mom, dad, Tom and his dad. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm grateful that we're going to do that. I'm grateful this weekend just to have last weekend I've had off. So me, my wife, my daughter went over Clint. Clint, lovely walk. They went to Crystal. Just a lovely family day. And what we started doing on a Saturday, or one day in the week, uh, on a weekend, no phones, no technology, and playing a board game. And we've been playing Horrible Histories. It's a board game, and my daughter loves Horrible Histories. And it's all like SAFs questions and everything. But it's nice just sitting around, playing a board game. The two people I love the most, my wife and my daughter. So I'm grateful for time and my family. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful to see uh, a bit of hard work paying off um, with my business. Uh, it's almost two years now with the shop, and um, it's just going from strength to strength. And yeah, I'm just I'm very proud of the, the staff yeah. and myself um, for the way it's going. So yeah, I'm just grateful that it's and um, long may it continue. Perseverance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a, a hard road, a lot of a lot of hours put in, and it's nice to see that it's uh, it's starting to pay off. You Dave, what are you grateful for, brother? That's right. We know I'm grateful for tonight for opportunities like this to talk about the things we've been speaking about. It's gold star. Yeah. We didn't pay him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that one in there. Um, and do you know what? I wake up every morning, and as soon as I wake up, I, I just start with the gratitude. Then I'm just mm. thankful for a shower this morning. Mm. Um, I've had a good meal before I come to see you guys today. I've got a brilliant job, and just yeah, my health. So things like that that can go in a split second, aren't they? So that's where I am. I'm happy for those things. So thank you, guys. Yeah. And it is them things that we go like, God, it's crap, isn't it? Oh, it's crap. We should say that you've got a shower, that you've got warm, flowing water, that you've had the money and the the opportunity to have your belly full. You know, you've got a family, you've got a job, and it's we lose sight of that, don't we? And it's easy when we go down the rabbit hole and we're thinking, because, you know, once you're in a, a dark place, it's like a snowball, isn't it? And everything is like, God is smiting me. And why is it always me? Why is it always me? But it's when you haven't got that clarity of sight and that mindfulness to go, it's not all bad. Bad things happen, but I haven't got a bad life. These things happen to test me, but I'm all right. I survived it last time and I'll survive it this time. And that's, I think that's what life experiences give you, doesn't it? Yeah. When you haven't had it always custody and you have had it hard and you're going, these problems that I'm moaning about today, I would have longed for last year. <laughs> my missus is doing me in. I've got a missus. My, my shower's broke, but I've, I've got a house. I've got a shower. My daughter kept me up all night, but you know what? I love them. And it's reminding yourself, these problems I would have died for. So be grateful. Stop and go, it could be bloody worse. I imagine if all these things got taken away from me, and that's a problem I hope I never have to face. That's a nice way of looking at it. And you, you, you say that life's hard, but you know what? If it was all roses, mm. would you learn anything? Yeah. Because when you're knee deep in it in the moment, it's not nice, is it, mm. when you go through struggles? But through hindsight, you can look back and you think, do you know what? That experience shaped me. And without it, where would I be now? And I appreciate where I'm at now yeah. because I've been there. So obviously I wouldn't say anyone that's suffering in the moment, oh, come on, mate, this is all going to work out, which it generally <laughs> does. But you just you give them that support that compassion and listen but then yeah you look back on things you think oh that that shaped me and mm. if it was all plain sailing well would that be would that form any character 
would that give you any strength? I don't know. I don't. Would you that. have stories to tell? Yeah. Well, it makes you interesting, doesn't it? Mm. Even if he's not like, <laughs> guess what? Oh yeah, I lost my legs. You know, it's not yoga, but that. But it's that. You make people who've been through struggles can relate to other people. You go, but I was homeless. All right, then uh, I lost my vision. Oh, it's pain can identify with pain. It doesn't necessarily mean you've had to face that same journey, but you know how it feels to be downtrodden. You feel, you know how it feels to overcome things. And that makes you more appealing to people, doesn't it? Mm. It's not a safe body bell after school special. You're not regurgitating someone else's. You go, well, look, mate, I've been through all times myself and I'm still here. And if you need any advice on it, I'm here to give it. I'm not regurgitating Freud. I'm not regurgitating Mike Tyson's autobiography. I'm an average day bloke who's fed on hard times and I'm still here. I'm here trying to give love. That's it, man. And it's all about empathy, isn't it? Mm. And through having these experiences, you see, you know what? We all are connected in some kind of way. We all have these challenges. And like you say, I've been through that. I'm here to listen. Mm. So, yeah, I like that perspective. So tell us about yourself. Like you say, you grew up around the black country. How do you want to get started? Where do you, where do you think your journey began? We go, I've always lived around the black country, um, born in Wordsley. Grew up in Broly as well. Yeah, wordly <laughs> baby. So it's all good. Um, and I don't know what I've always felt drawn around here. I've lived in various areas around the West Midlands, but I've always I've always felt just at home here. Mm. And this is my calling. Um had a, an interesting life, very interesting. Um but I've been an addict, suffered from addictions. I would say all my life. They're still there, but I just learn how to mentally recognise them now, not go down that road. Um, I've been homeless as well, been in mass amounts of debt, all these things. Um, so what, just a, what came first, the addiction or the homelessness? The, the addiction. And what was your one? Yeah. Started with, started with um, when I was at school, just smoking. Then that turned into cannabis. Then turned into alcohol. Um, and then cocaine. That was the one. That was the one. It's a big me. thing, you think, because... They say that people who say like cannabis is a gateway drug. I think alcohol is. I think alcohol is the thing. It's like when you, you know, you started on the old resin or on the solid, then you might get onto skunk, you know, super duper skunk nowadays, you know, blow anyone's head off. But it's like a lot of my mistakes come when I was drinking. You know what I mean? That's when you do your coke, that's when you do your pills, that's when you do the MDNA, that's when you do your speed. When you're sober, you're thinking, oh, I don't really want to do it. But as the booze goes in, your inhibitions go down. How did you find it? Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, that's a whole other topic we could talk about. What you know, why is alcohol illegal when there are other drugs that aren't necessarily as bad in a way? But alcohol has a very detrimental effect. So yeah, I can I can see that. Um, alcohol was good for me. It made me popular mm. um, because I could I could drink a lot, mm. and I got this kind of legendary status with my friends. Um, socially acceptable, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it was numbing all the pain that was within me. Mm. So. For me, that that's a win-win. Do, do you think that's changing a bit now? Because I think of the 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 um, people coming up to eighteen, nineteen now, and probably for the last few years, I don't feel like that culture is the same as when we were that age. I don't know. Do you feel that? I think that co people are more interested in the fitness. More, there's more coffee that they go for instead of the. It's more like you get on Tinder and get off your head on Sniff, or you get or the. I think the drugs have overtaken beer. Mm. If you look at the pubs, they've gone, but dealers are still thriving. Mm. You know what I mean? Because who wants to sit in a pub spending a fiver and a smelly old in a, in a pub with smelly old men? Mm. There's no women in there. There's no entertainment in there. So you just sat there with smelly old men moaning about life. Whereas people are like smoking weed. Well, I do so think there's more consciousness about fitness as well. I think there's more people. Uh, more there isn't. There isn't. But it's different things. Like you know, you could look like I work with a lot of the kids and. You've got the fit kids and you've got the naughty kids, but they've always been there, aren't they? Mm. You know what I mean? But it's where do the naughty kids know? And the problem is with drugs, or the problem, the war on drugs, it's all in the shadows. If there are safe places where they could go to do the drugs, then you could monitor drugs and see who's doing the drugs. But I think a lot of stuff just goes under the carpet and people are just sniffing and smoking in the bedrooms. 
Ed, you find that you agree with that? A lot, a lot of you said about because I go to the gym and I see a lot of young kids in there now, like you know, 50, 60 year olds, big groups. That I thought that's nice because we mm. didn't do that when we were kids. Exactly. That's so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all about perspectives and it's what yeah. you, you see. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that what you are on about, Kev, is going on as well. Um, but for my sake, it's just refreshing to see. Yeah, cultures are changing. I see. I mean, my daughter's coming fifteen this week, and I see. Obviously, I'm only seeing it from her and her friends. But I remember at fifteen, I was trying to get in the pub, yeah, to get bit, or standing outside a spa in, in the hope that someone would come past and uh, would buy you. You know, and I don't see that with you her. Also, see, like you've got kids who go to the gym, but there's more obese kids than there ever has been. I mean, that is definitely from mm -hmm. I'd say computer games and and that lifestyles are. A big contributor to that. So there's always two sides of the mm. coin. You've got the, the very, very fit. When you go to Muriel, you see the very fit, you know, blokes wearing vests, even though it's the height of winter, <laughs> you know, and girls wearing bikinis. And then you've got chronically obese people. Once again, Middle Britain doesn't seem to <laughs> exist. It's the very obese or the very fit. And it's the same that it's like you've got the kids who go and have a five pound cup of coffee then you've got the kids who go and have a seven pound bottle of vodka but it's like with cigarettes now you don't when well, you don't see kids smoking cigarettes anymore it's a good thing but you see twice as many kids smoking vapes Vibes, yeah yeah but the drug is still there the nicotine mm -hmm. but they've just rebranded it it's like back in our day we drink fosters then there's that whole thing of wkds mm -hmm. people are still getting sloshed but they've just change it to more kid friendly <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? yeah one thing i've learned an addiction is addiction, addiction you, you can abuse anything uh we was on about that earlier you abused the gym didn't you eventually yeah yeah but i, I just swapped all these addictions so when i when i got clean and then i, I started um so I, I stopped the coke yeah a, a girl i met at the time helped me get off that bless her and but then alcohol but it was still in that missing void so i started going back mm. to the football get season ticket and it's acceptable to get off your face at the football yeah. all day benders that's acceptable because it's yeah. the culture mm. so i went along with that and then that wasn't cutting it so i slowly got off the alcohol and then got into the gym oh this is good i feel good about myself but then i started to abuse that like six seven meals a day and going in there six days a week mm. and then now i can't come out and miss a meal and become a neurotic about that as mm. well um, and so anything, media, food, whatever, anything can be abused. It's all that balance, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, things are just rebranded and it's interesting. Um, why do we choose addictions? That's what I was curious about myself. Just why did I choose these things? Yeah, it's a blanket, isn't it? It's a blanket. Like, sometimes you go, like, well, I'm not old for I'm just like enamoured. And you think, well, why? And it's, it's, it's that numbing feeling isn't he and me i always like to think like you know when i'm on one of my vendors and i go like oh I'm, I'm, you know i'm i'm, I'm having me 10 points from drinking a bottle of brandy and the little and you think about it i don't think about it but at the, you forget that you think about it because you're smashed and you're ranting and you go oh when i see him i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna punch his head in when i see you but then you get so drunk you blanket you forget that you've been ranting about it but you've just been vocalizing the stuff that you've been trying to keep in so it's hard, isn't it? You're thinking, and you become that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Because when you're sober, you're thinking, I know right from wrong. And I know if he does this, if I call him a dickhead, I might get in trouble. There'll be repercussions. But like when you're drunk, it's like the parents gone to bed and the kids are allowed to just be wild. I like that, yeah. But the, the next day you're thinking, ah, when you're having a bollocking off your parents the next day. And that's all it does, isn't it? You put your parents to bed in your mind and the naughty teenager goes rampant but then you've got to tidy up in the morning. So how do you do that? You avoid it by doing the same. If the parents never come home, I ne might never get caught. But eventually, they've got to come, come home. Because it's always going to be repercussions to your actions. Mm. And then that's like, what you do sniff. You're keeping the night going. You're keeping the session going. And eventually, you know, you're awake. You're lonely. And your thoughts are running wild. And then that's when it becomes the problem, isn't it? There's no off switch. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just sat there in a pickle being sad. You're not thinking about the great times. You're not thinking about the South Park being funny. You're getting that dark hole of the people who broke your ass, who's Judas, yeah? What's gone wrong? You fixate on it. Yeah. You avoid it by repeat. Let's do it again. I've never heard it said like that. That kind of makes sense because I was always the last one in 
to keep the party going. Come on, now let's go after the pub close. Let's go to house party and just keep it going. I yeah. suppose, yeah, to avoid the the sober light of day and then the repercussions of picking up the pieces of all the crap I've caused. And yeah, that's, I've never heard it said like that before. Kevin. <laughs> I like that. You, you find it though, don't you? And you find those people, you know, let's go and have the house party. And when I stepped away from the old life into this new life, you're thinking, they aren't my friends, they're just other addicts around me, like you're in a pub. They're not my friends, they're just other alcoholics who just happen to be drinking in the same place. We talk to each other because I don't want to admit that I'm bum. So I drink with them and we have a laugh. And it's acceptable to drink. Yeah. It's having the after party because you're there with other druggies. And it's all right. Mm. Because we're all doing it together. I'm not hiding from it. We're all bashing it. We're all doing it together because misery loves company. You know what I mean? When you do it on your own, that's a problem. You do it with people, it's acceptable. And that's what we do. We, <laughs> we gravitate to people who've got our own ideals. And so when you step away from that, then you gravitate to other people with different ideals. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're social animals and we always want to find a tribe. But sometimes the tribe that you're in isn't necessarily good for you. Yeah. It's interesting what you say, like what's socially acceptable this is socially acceptable to do that. And this drinking culture that I got, like the lag culture I got in. And no one ever questions it. Mm. Should I be doing this? And I've always I always tell this story because I think it's a good way to put it in perspective. Like if I went into work one day, hungover. I was like, I've got to go to the toilet, I'm going to chuck up, I feel awful. And everyone was like, oh, how many pints did you have last night? I had 10 pints last night. I like, oh, mm. Dave, what are you like? I was like, I feel rubbish. However, if I went into work, my nose is bleeding, I'm like, you know what, I had too many grams, too yeah. much last night of the sniff. I'll be up to HR, yeah. I'll probably mm. be, possibly lose my job. Yeah. Now, what's the difference? Yeah. One's there legal. No difference. It's as simple as that, isn't well, it? Who makes it legal, legal? But mm. That's yeah. another question. But that's why it is different. But both are forms of self abuse. Oh, yeah. But one is socially acceptable mm. and one isn't because of the legal system and these conditions we've had yeah. fed into us. So I've always found that really. So if someone's doing that to themselves, to me, yeah. it's a cry for help to some extent that you're blocking something out. And mm. yeah. I think there's a, um, I think for some people, it's definitely a cry for help. With other people, it is. It is just you get sucked into what everyone else is doing around you. Yeah. Like I said, at 15, 14, 15, we were waiting outside spa trying to get served. Yeah. And and um, and that's because we were around people who were doing that. Now, maybe if we was around people who were in book club, we wouldn't have done that. You know, it's, I think sometimes it is about trauma and sometimes it is about following what everyone else is doing. Yeah, because you're scared to be authentic yeah. to be yourself, which, which I was, and I just went along the crowd and it's acceptable and you, you gain that validity from your peers, don't you? Mm. So why are you going to stop it if you yeah. That's it. Yeah. But it's funny, as you were saying earlier, about like when you, you couldn't physically wait to get in the pub, could you? No. You know what I mean? Because, you know, that's where women were, the nightlife were, the cool kids from the village were there. But no, you drive past That's the where your dad was. Well, yeah, your dad, your brother, your uncle, your neighbours, the bad lads, the, the you know, whoever. But you look at the pubs now, and I think, if I was 16, looking, I think, but I want to go in there. Mm. You know what I mean? You can't even have the football on unless you've got a licence, or you can't have the boxing on, or there's not a crap karaoke, and you're thinking, so I'm going there, pay five pounds to sit by some smelly old man, or I can get a four-pack, mm. and go around it. No, it's a new world. Well, I think in, in that... In especially in my dad's area, it was more like the community centre. Well, it was. It you went, you went there to get, you get went there to get work. You went there, you know. Yeah. It was more, it's more along them lines. Um, and there was an early doors culture, whereas I think that changed for our generation. Whereas you didn't go out early doors, you went out late to get pissed. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily what um, my dad's culture were doing. They were more, you know. Don't get me wrong. Let's let's go in there at six, have a few points. At the weekend, you go out and get pissed, but it's more, you know, it was more about meeting up with people than getting drunk. See, no matter what time I'll go in the pub, I'm coming out drunk. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the problem. But that's it. That's it. I think maybe it changed there, but. You, you say it off, off camera. Like about being homeless. How, how did that happen? We kicked out from your family home. Yeah, so my dad kicked me out, which. Um deserved it do you know what the stuff i bought to the house all the chaos and everything and the road i was going down and he he showed me so much patience and mm. everything he stopped my but it just came a point where i was just horrible i remember i remember it vividly um i was hung over christmas day this was mm. and i was just being obnoxious and toxic as always and i started an argument how old was you um how old was i then 19 
Yeah, I'm not good with dates because it's yeah. all a bit hazy back yeah. in the day. But I do remember this moment because it was like a poignant moment. And yeah, I just stopped through the Christmas dinner and just told yeah. him it was rubbish and all this. And I was just projecting all my pain onto him. Uh, and that was it. He couldn't do it anymore. And in all fairness, he didn't do it immediately. He's like, you've got a week. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Give me a week. And then I left within within the week. I left before that uh, with my life in bin bags, literally. But yeah, so I actually spent like a few nights on the streets as such mm. and then um a few friends took me in at the time uh and i still had a job for all this i managed to hold a job down because my dad installed such a firm work ethic mm. into me and you're young you can do it back then your body can take it oh, right? yeah and i was consistent at work so it never jeopardized my work but yes yeah, so and my gaffer at the time she took me in and yeah. i slept on her floor or the futon for like six months and then i met a girl moved in with her family and slowly i'd have these beautiful people in my life which is another thing we can always be grateful for as always mm. if, you, if you allow it some people don't want to accept help because i think it's a form of weakness but it's a sign of strength i've come yeah. to say there's always someone there if you ask for help and open and allowing to help you so i had these beautiful people just kind of bringing me on to the next little i don't know dragging me up to the next step of the tree of life and um yeah so that's so how my dad kicked me out and that's uh just got myself into debt um that made me feel even worse about myself so i hit it harder immediately after the drink and the drugs and this, yeah it was all about rejection it all stemmed up from my childhood that i found when my mom left my father and i when i was three years old um and the role of work i'm in now we do child development and look at how we grow and develop as children which then shapes the adult and i've had this rejection put into me as a child and the stories i've told myself about not being good enough and then that's the story i told myself into my adulthood and obviously, do you think that's why you were the drink and that you were drinking because you, you were accepted by your friends at that point if you were yeah. with them yeah and I, I would do anything for like recognition and validation mm. i'll be a bit of a joker and do the take the risks but you know i it gave me that form of acceptance finally when i um, all my life i'd kind of been told telling myself i was rejected i wasn't good enough because my mom didn't want me i was also raised um religious not to not religion it's not for me but how i was told at church like i was evil i was a sinner i was born dirty and that's all it was so that kind of reinforced the model i told myself about my mom so this child's yeah. mind is growing if i'm being called this anyway i might as well be yeah yeah and the first seven years of a child development is so important you're shaping the subconscious mind which then shapes the adult. So you can, you can tell a child anything and it would believe it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with trauma, as we were saying yeah. earlier off camera. It can just be an innocuous thing one day of don't do that. Or and if a child just is in the wrong frame of mind, they can tell themselves a story then. So I had these feelings in me of not being good enough, not accepted. And we have these thoughts, it produces the feelings in the body of anxiety, depression, whatever, these chemical reactions to our thoughts we have. And then alcohol and drugs, it, it gives you those moments of, you know, you feel good, don't you? Mm -hmm. and, I got, and, I, and I was gaining acceptance, so why wouldn't I do that? So I don't judge that that Dave however many years ago. He was doing what he thought was best at the time to survive, and it worked. It worked. But one more, uh, someone said to me, because uh, he was on heroin for years, and he said, um, um, but the heroin kept me alive to be the man I am today. Yeah. And I, I, I looked at it and I thought, what a lovely way of thinking about it. You know, it's you survived it. Yeah. Hook by crook, we get through stuff. And that, that kept me alive to one day get clean to better myself. And then it's what you do with the the, the man who you are today, isn't he? Yeah. It's not giving back, it's giving forwards. Don't give back because he did because he loved you. But if you give forwards, there's always someone there getting the love. And as long as we're giving the love forwards, there's always some poor bugger who's always getting love. Yeah. And in that lovely way of seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you said earlier, if you're brave enough to ask for help. And it's one of my favourite quotes. It's from um, The Boy, The Mole, The Horse and The Fox. Uh, it's a book, but they did it into a little movie. It's brilliant. If you've never seen it, go and watch it. I've got the book. I read to my daughter, yeah. But watch it. It's a, it's a short movie on BBC One on iPlayer. It's only uh, half an hour long. Brilliant. One of the best things I've ever seen. And it's a lovely thing, because what's the highest thing you ever have to say? Is help. Help isn't giving up. It's refusing to give up. And I thought, what a lovely way of putting that is. Because we think, if I ask for help, I'm a coward. That's the bravest thing you could do. Because I realised I needed help. And it's shown I'm not going to give in. And it's just changing that narrative. But asking for the help, it's stopping me from giving in. And isn't that beautiful? Yeah. But it's changing that narrative. 
that inner monologue that you've been talking about, that we all have this inner monologue, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm a coward, I'm weak, I'm dirty, I'm vile. But if you can go, stop, help me. What can I do to make me better? And then by having the advice, and then having the courage to act on the advice, you can become better. And then they're brave. Yeah. To notice what I'm doing isn't working, to ask for help, but then not only ask for help, but to use the help. You know what I mean? It's great to ask for it, but you've got to have the, the gonads. Yeah. It can be really it. scary um, leaving what you know. Yeah. Mm. Best the devil you know. Even if you know, even if you know it's better for you. Yeah. It, that comes from toxic relationships. Mm. I hate my job. I hate the commute. I hate being there. I hate me boss. I hate the leave. You, you're well, told I'll, I'll get paid though, you know. Yeah. Well, you, you're told <laughs> the grass isn't always greener, yeah. but you never know unless you try. Yeah. So it's, it's it's that human thing we're built in survival, isn't it? Yeah. So like you say, better the devil you know, which is crap. I'm gonna stay here. I'll moan about it, but it's the fear of change. Mm. Yeah. You know, something could be better. Yeah. Um, and what? I, and you've always got to ask yourself, well, what if it isn't? Well, at least I've tried, and majority of the time, you can you can move back. You can go back to where you were. Yeah. We'll do something else. We'll do something yeah. else again. Yeah. I didn't like boxing, but I about keep boxing. Mm. We've tried my time. No, I've never I've been wrestling. Mm. Just keep trying to because I like the premise of martial arts. But let's just try as much as I can. That's it. That's it. It's just changing the narrative again, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I was talking about my dad, like you get one job and you stick at that, and that is it. But I don't want to do the same thing for what 60 years because you're living into ground old days, isn't it? Mm. And these certain narratives we've been fed by society's gone by and our ancestors, whatnot. Um, again, back to the help thing, it's we've got this image we've been told as how a man should be growing up and mm -hmm. that was reinforced by films you see you know men showing their emotion and mm -hmm. it's a sign of weakness to ask for help and suck it all up and, and that's another british thing you know stiff up a lift life goes on well mm -hmm. these these things you're fed and if a child's fed that they believe it and mm -hmm. then why do we think that suicide is at an all-time high it's, and, um, it's, and the weird thing is it's you know we are we are definitely taught and you see that but actually after the war, everyone pulled together and helped each other. Yeah. You know, it was all, it wasn't, oh, you've just got to go out there and do it on your own. It was, no, let's let's pull this. Let's get everyone together. Men, women, child, whoever needs help, we pull together and we go we go in the same direction. So it does make you wonder where they, that fear of asking for help mm. has come from. Yeah. Because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel... But you have these, like, the movies, um, uh, I'm a self-made self millionaire. I'm a self-made <laughs> man. I'm a... But everyone has a leg up. Yeah. Everyone needs that break from someone giving them a chance to succeed. Mm. But that's not often talked about enough. You know, I, I did it all myself. Mm, did you know? Mm. <laughs> My parents died. Yeah, but did your coach love you? Or did you have that teacher? Or did your best mate, mom and dad, look after you? It's We all have had that break in life that's made all the difference. Mm. And it's even if it's a bad teacher, to be quite honest, mm. you're still not self-made because it, it, it might taught you how to not do something, mm. a way of not doing it. I learned more from bad teachers than I have from good teachers. I'm blessed. I've had great teachers and bad, terrible teachers. The good teachers I've emulated and not copied. The bad teacher, I went, I'm never making you feel how I felt. Yeah, yeah. There you go. They still give you like that reflection to like, mm. I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. yeah. And that makes you a better man. And that could be from your peers from your teachers like what you're saying like with school you're gonna all right then you're gonna leave school you're gonna do one job i've never met well, i can keep on one hand how many people left left school and have carried on that job you know what i mean i'm gonna be a sparky most people they they have they go and be a sparky i don't enjoy it then they become a carpenter and they don't enjoy it then they go and work at tesco's and they don't enjoy it they go and work at the pub and then eventually you yeah. mature as a human being you find life experiences from all the misfit jobs, and you might do something yeah. for the rest of your life. I think that is um, that's a more old school mentality, isn't it? That you 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 get a job and you you, you stick to it. Yeah. Um, I think that definitely is. But there's a world of opportunity now, and maybe there wasn't quite that world before. Well, I think there's probably more opportunities in that in their day than there is in ours. Oh, right? I don't think so. Not with the the well, birth well, of the internet and the, well, you know but, but where you, can, you can earn money now just literally sitting sitting at home. Do you know it's not yeah. it's. And, uh, not, no, I'm saying that's not a hard job, but you can the, like the opportunity to get out there and and do more. You can you can get to you can be, you can get around easier than you've ever been yeah. able to before. 
you know, before if you wanted to fly to France, it was it was a it was a hard not a hard task, but it was certainly not as easy as now to get no, there or or the, or world, the other part of the world. The world's a smaller place, but that doesn't make it better. And I think like you can be an entrepreneur, and everyone wants to be their own boss, but I don't want to work hard. You know, I want to be my own boss, but I don't want to put in the hours. You know, what I mean, whereas if you want to sometimes just fall into a job that isn't the the community the black country was where you could just fall into a factory you could just be a glass blower you could be down the steel mill you could be down the iron bridge what do you think yeah you can i like what you're saying now i think there's more opportunities than ever like if you've got a smartphone you can literally make a living mm. you've got kids on tiktok uh, like it amazes me what i'm showing by the students at college that these people they're literally just eating food yeah and getting paid to do it i know <laughs> it's boggles my mind so, yeah. who, who's the mug they're just sat yeah. at home i think they're winning to be honest yeah, with you. yeah I definitely think, i do think yeah there's there's more opportunities than ever and but in a way is that isolating us more because it's going more online and that screen thing again mm. and we're losing like the, the proper jobs like you're speaking about just yeah. with that human interaction so again this it's a double-edged sword isn't it there's pros and cons to everything yeah um i always go back to balance i think just balance i love screens i love technology look how it's it's brought us together tonight yeah the message we're sending out but it's just yeah it's it's that balance isn't it not allowing it to consume your life but yeah i think opportunities are everywhere now it's um yeah but like, like with the mental health team like we've talked as men and we've we've all had experiences like as um young men teenagers but i've suffered with panic attacks since my very early 20s you know you know suffered with them but i used to have problems as a kid like with my temper but i used to get frightened but i wasn't anxious i see a lot of children now suffering with stuff with real bad anxiety attacks and i don't know if that's from too much screen time i don't know if that's too much bad diet but I, I mean, you work with young people. I work with young people downstairs, and I, I hear about stuff. And like, oh, so and so had a panic attack because of the fear of going to war, or so and so had a panic attack because of his uh, he's got too much homework. I'm thinking, I honestly couldn't remember giving a toss at school. If I didn't do my homework, I just didn't do it. If I had detention, yeah. I just had detention. You yeah. know, yeah. it seems like I did. I don't think putting too much pressure on the children and young adults. Or if they're having too much information, mm. I'm not sure where it is. What do you think, like in your line of work? Do you see it a lot? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of young adults with anxiety. It's, it's quite a common thing, uh, panic attacks. I don't know, but I would say look at the culture, how it's changed from when we were kids to how it is now, and, and the screens and diets and how ultra processed food is mm. coming into our world and what we study at our college is how the kind of first brain is in your gut mm. and what you put into your gut then affects your second brain so the two are linked mm. and if we're having these kind of sugar food i mean just look at the ingredients in half the stuff now and they're drinking these energy drinks the monsters and, and the yeah they're eating processed food and going kind of is terrible isn't and then it? and he's staring at a screen all day being fed fear constantly fear yeah. of just war just everything just it doesn't even have life. to be fear of war it's fear, you can be looking at someone who's really good looking or really this or really that it's fear of not living up to those you know it doesn't have to be well this is blowing up here in this country yeah. it's yeah. you know just trying to live up to what's on that screen yeah and i know what you say i don't think look i think you're touching it there's no we're bombarding them with information mm. whereas we go home you don't really see your friends when we were our age so you go mm. home do your homework they want no mobile phones well mm. i had one it was like a brick but yeah yeah it could hold 10 messages i think and, and that's at the very end of school isn't it you know what i mean it's mm. yeah but now there's no switching off from it you're on no. social media it's constant and yeah there's that pressure to look a certain way for these kids that i feel for them going off um, when we were kids the only person i remember apart from the athletes having a was peter andre <laughs> now he's, even the window cleaner on coronation street's got rippling abs and perfect eyebrows <laughs> i'm thinking love that you know what's it called love island i'm thinking yeah. yeah you can shag anything and do anything you want and just be beautiful and i'm thinking is this the role models of what my little girl growing up with you know, no matter how horrible you are as long as you're pretty and if you're not pretty get it done you know is that instead of going we be from the inside you know just 
be proud of who you are. Now get your lips done, get your boobies done, get your bottom done. Have this, have filler. And I think, why does a a young person need filler? You know what I mean? You're because just... you're telling them they're not good enough. Mm. That's what you're essentially saying. They're not perfect as they are, which everyone is. You take a judgment away from everything. Yeah. Everything just is mm. as it is. It's only until we judge it yeah. that we say that's good or bad. But everyone is perfect in their own it's, way. Um, it's the perfect marketing ploy, unfortunately. Yeah. And you and, and some I don't know, someone somewhere sat in an office or wherever and said, Right, this is the image we're gonna put out to Hollywood, yeah. the media. And we're going to force this and this is how you should look in order to be a success and that's been around for years to yeah. be fair with the magazines and everything yeah. but the difference is you had a choice whether you buy that magazine your lad's mag yeah, yeah. Well, whatever well that's it it was it's been yeah donkey's years hasn't it but yeah you did have a choice whereas now even if you're not meaning to scroll to that you can guarantee it's coming up yeah it's there isn't it yeah Constantly, we are in the information age and it's overloading and it can be pretty stifling if if there's no boundaries again, mm. and that balance, and yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, my daughter's too, but we're already my wife and I have been conversations about when do you give her a smartphone because mm. you can't alienate them at the same time. But it's you give them a smartphone, you're giving them access to everything. They're yeah. going to watch porn. You're giving them literally yeah. it's important to watch because they will find a way. So it's well, it's not even they it's, will find a way. It finds you. Yeah, exactly. To be quite honest, like I don't scroll very often, but every now and again. Being the backcountry growth, I look over like the Twitters, especially on a Tuesday when I come in here, I'll go through the socials and I can guarantee I'll scroll, scroll down the backcountry rogues Twitter and there'll be some kind of porn on there. I'm like, well, we don't follow anyone any remotely, but so who's that managed to get in front of the screen? You know, it's and I think yeah, look, you'd have a magazine, yeah, or you'd have a video passed around, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but now it's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. like. You've got your kid and your park. I was sat there watching He Man. I'd have my video and I'd sit there watching He Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get on there. that, mate. But you, your parents would put the video in and you'd sit there and you'd watch that video until the video broke. <laughs> and it'd be Thundercats or He Man or Turtles. Or but your parents could leave you there. But now you sit your, your kid there on the tablet watching Peppa Pig. Yeah. Scroll, scroll. Yeah. And then you're going, what you're watching over there. And you're in some American or some person there talking about something you go what are you watching i don't know it's just come on it's so hard to police it mm. even with the best merit in the world but then all of a sudden on a smartphone hey check this out my mm. brother sent it me and they're seeing something their little brains yeah. like let's call it pornography people don't act like that in an average bedroom <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. bits and bobs don't look like that and people don't perform like that in a relationship but if that's what you believe is correct and what you believe is normal, you imitate what you believe is normal. Yeah, yeah. That's it, not with the drinking culture. If it's, you know, if we all sit around having a couple of cans or if we're all sitting around drinking a, a bottle of whiskey, you do what you think is normal. If we finish the whiskey by having a couple of lines of Coke or if we go and have a crank of heroin, you follow what you believe is normal activity. Whether you see it at home or your peers, you emulate them, don't you? Yeah. And that's the same with pornography. Same with anything. If you're seeing it all the time, and once again on the internet, it's not even just pornography. It is some balmy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if that's what you think, you emulate it. It's crazy, isn't it? It's, we, we, we're very much. I laugh about this with my mom. We almost feel like I'm living in the future all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like when you sat at school. We were all from that age where we were older than the internet and you're all playing and having a laugh. You don't see that same interaction with the children. Like you see on the animal programs where baby lions are wrestling with each other and they're learning if I nip you and we play. That's where children learn. If I say this, you'll alienate me. If I don't share, you won't be my friend. So that's how you learn to interact with society instead of just sitting there going, I've seen this. So we're learning that thing that nature's always give us, how to interact with our own kind. Mm. It's strange, isn't it? Mm. Do you well, see it lots? I think it's interactions are just changing in general, isn't it? So the future of interaction is through your phone or through whatever comes up next. Right, I don't think we're designed for it. We'll soon see. Well, we're already seeing it because mental health's gone up. Mm. 
You know what I mean? Uh, I, I mean, that's debatable still, isn't it? Whether it whether it has or it's spoken about more. Yeah, well, we diagnose it more. Yeah, exactly. It, it, like, who, when I was a kid, no one knew what a shrink was. You know, no one had... Did we ever talk about mental health once? We never would have done. Whereas, actually, I see kids talking about it now. Which is good in some way. It is. Very good. It is. But what I'm saying is, do yeah. we know now that it's it's getting worse, or do we, or are we all speaking about it more? Even things that. like suicide, like when we were kids, that was if someone had committed it, you wouldn't have known. It was more in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And I've, I I question that a lot of myself because I talk a lot about this, and I talk with everybody. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, like in one year, I knew four people who uh, completed suicide. In that range, from a fourteen-year-old kid to a forty-year-old. And again, is that is that because of more pressures in society, or is that because actually people are seeing it more? I don't know. Like you said, people follow what people do, yeah. so people are seeing it more. Is the more likelihood to follow what they're doing? It's a it's a, a it's a question you can't really answer, isn't it? it to be quite honest, because we can't go back. Your parent did it, so you emulate your parent. But you know, monkey see, monkey do. But your pe my, my, you know, my my peers. I've seen my peer do it. start cutting their arms. Oh, is that what they? You know what I mean? And that too is a lot more accessible now, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, and it's always like with the great thing that Alice has done for Ripple. You know, suicide prevention. So if you type in suicide, it tells you how to do it instead of saying don't do it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that in that sad state of affairs with a dark web. Mm. And do you think with that kind of stuff, Dave? It's, it's yeah it's a tricky one isn't it um yeah the, the, again the world we're living like you saying about the dark web and it's just yeah the, the, the pressures the, the constant pressures um and, and, and suicide you speak about suicide i didn't really know about that when i was young no, speak about it, or no. mental health or anything or transgender i didn't even know these words but mm. now we've got this information overload that's everywhere um and, and again you've said that word influence mm. um and it's a yin and a yang isn't it? there's 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 good things to people talking about it more yes. but on the same note people are kind of self-diagnosing things it's, they haven't got yeah it's like is it a self-fulfilling prophecy in a yeah. way and people are like it's trendy to do these certain things because you know how it was growing up you find yourself don't you, mm. you yeah. do anything to fit in and you think you know how it is when you're 14 years and this is how the world is and what Two weeks later and another following something new. Mm. Oh, boring. You move on. So yeah, I feel for the young people growing up in this world because of the challenges that I faced and how I how I went through different subcultures to try and find my identity. But they didn't leave me with any lasting effects or harm. Mm. But I think they can make severe decisions that will have that more lasting it's effect, effect yeah. uh, and things have been recorded as well and it's out there forever and ever christ i'm, I'm glad the camera phones weren't around when i was a kid we've said that many a time we know some of the the, the promise oh, in 30 okay. years time he'll be caught with a slip in his mouth or short of his nose because they don't read us don't film it yeah. don't film it you know it's dodgy don't film it because it might come and bite your back nah it's okay and all of a sudden all your ex lives as a child playing up gurning and getting drunk weeing up a slide on a park and you know just doing stuff we look we recorded and that'll be our prime minister yeah. in 30 years but again that goes both ways because i also think about some of the night outs i've had as a youngster that i'd like to re-watch well, you know there is the ones that, uh, that you just won't go anywhere <laughs> yeah. near but imagine being able to look back on some of them and get you know what that was because you look back at in your memory but it's also your memory can be clouded Mm. So to look back and go, oh, that was fantastic. Sean Woods and that told me happen. this: a photo is better than a video. A photo, you make up the story around, around it. it. You yeah. watch the film and you go, "That was crap." You know, but, but your story then. Do you remember when we? Uh, you fill in the gaps with more interesting bits. Mm. You know, that's why a photo is better. You know, you fill in the blanks when you watch a video. You go, oh, "That's pretty crap." And I was really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong though, I love parts of my past and that nights like that, that's some great nights going on. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't I'd choose to do it now where I am in my life, but um, I did I loved it back then. I used to live through it mm. and we did have some laughs, but yeah, it comes a point again, it's that where it's that line yeah. between yeah. you want that you want those good nights there, but you don't and then, want that. Like you were saying earlier, like drinking with it and then I would drink in my own in my, my room and yeah. this and uh, yeah, doing this on my own and the drugs started I started doing them on my own yeah. without the social and then that's when the fun stopped. stopped. Topple out of a uh, balance, yeah. So where was the catalyst to stop everything then? Because you moved in with um, uh, your gaffer. 
then you moved in with your missus yeah, and no. was you still using or yeah so when i met my partner at the time um she let me move in with her parents so they took me in on my fair place oh god i don't know how i must have looked but you know what they took me to this homeless lad in with nothing really to offer i literally had a bin, bin bag full of clothes that was all i had to my name mm. um and I, I got clean then out of kind of respect for laura and it, it goes for the the power of the mind i just did it mm. there was no weaning off it i just did it because yeah. like, this is what i'm doing and i believe if you truly truly want to do something you can and that's coming off everything but you've got to want to and if you're not ready forget about it it's not going to happen so i did that um and then the, the alcohol continued um i moved in with the girl i was with at the time then we got our own place together but my drinking continued and that's mm. when i got into the football culture so i go to the football um getting smashed I, I, all day like eight in the morning the weather spoons mm. and then getting home at god knows what time at night um and eventually she left me mm. because i just wasn't available for it emotionally or mm. physical time I put up with the lads first and alcohol and football um so yeah so then i went kind of strings of relationships relationships and i each girl i was with was beautiful she kind of they, they taught me a little bit about myself each one mm. um, but i sabotaged them all because mm. <laughs> i felt again that that deep down subconscious belief that i wasn't worthy of all these yeah they're gonna worthy, leave me anyway so i might as well yeah i wasn't worthy of love mm. um and that just kept going on until one day i had a really yeah profound moment in my life so there was a guy throughout this all who stuck by me never judged me he would literally pick me out of the gutter every time and it, you know what he never tried to fix me though mm. he never he said come on david i saw you he, he never judged me he was just my friend and there for me um now he had he had cystic fibrosis mm. growing up my friend did which we didn't really understand but it's a very short uh, the friend we said what's his name dean coley yeah i grew up with him there you go it's a small if, if, you speak to my mom the best friends live next door i literally grew up with him yeah yeah that, that was that was my brother he, he taught me so much about life and, and the challenges that he had but he was so positive he never and he could have been down oh yeah i've got this to me and but he was just always super so positive um and yeah he's his health it's a long story um but yeah i was literally there when he passed he he, he had a lung transplant he got married and everything mm. and it was fantastic it was all roses i had the privilege to be his best man at his wedding um it's a big shock actually when he when he passed wasn't it he? was because life was just taking off for him mm. he got this this beautiful wife he got this new lease as health he's starting into the gym himself i think he was training for a marathon because you know he couldn't walk up a flight of stairs before without getting out of breath now he had these new lungs and everything um yeah it was fantastic and that was it i just thought right dean's gonna be with me forever now on the yeah. journey um, but he was always in and out of hospital because of checks because he didn't have an immune system because of the drugs they gave him because if he didn't have he had to have immunity blockers because mm -hmm. if he had an immune system his immune system would have rejected the lungs as contradictory as that sounds so he didn't have a, an immune system um so he's always in and out of hospital for just checkups and yeah he caught um i think it was pneumonia mm -hmm. and bronchitis in the end and because he's he just couldn't cope uh his wife phoned me the evening before his passing and I, I went in the next hour. I thought Dean's not going to go. Like he's Dean, man. He's he's just honestly the most positive guy anyway in, in my reality. Um, I can't say a bad word about him. But yeah, I, I was I was there for his passing. I was there for the last hour of his life, and that had a very very profound effect on me. Um, and his family blessed them. I said, "Can I just have like ten minutes with Dean after?" So it was just me and him in the room. Him and his the shell of who he was and i just thought, I thought that's that's not you the, the, the shell of a man i thought all the stuff you taught me all the lessons there's no way that you are that body and in that moment i had this i mean you can think i'm crazy i'm just speaking from my heart this is my experience i had like this overwhelming sense of unconditional love yeah. come in the room and there was literally light in there Mm. as i was like next to him and I, it was just yeah I, I felt nothing but love and i'm not talking about like a, the, the biological love we feel mm. as humans this was pure unconditional love just radiating from within me but coming around me as well um and i was hugging him and kissing him, and i felt nothing but love for him and i thought god if he was alive he'd be like oh, <laughs> yeah. get off <laughs> yeah. but so i went in that 
room that day and I came out a different person. It kind of like his final gift blew my of mind of how I thought reality was and who I thought I was. And after that, it just... I think with someone like Dean as well, you did see that he was he was going to give forever. Because I, like I grew up with him. Um, my mom and his mom were best fr best friends. Um, um, my mom and dad split up, so I spent majority of the time with Wendy and 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 John and and Lee and Dean and Nikki and uh, and Joanne and um, they, you know, he did eat the meat. He only used to eat Weetabix as well, Weetabix and roast potatoes. <laughs> he <the> worst diet. <laughs> yeah, like, but you did feel like, you know. It, especially because of growing up and you you know you could see obviously all these tablets he had to take before he ate and all this and all that and life expectancy for cystic fibrosis when he was a child was absolutely terrible yeah. it was absolutely you were lucky to make a teen basically yeah. so to see him overcome that you did think you're sorted now yeah you've got it you've, you've done it you're sorted and i think um and then you see that actually life is short because it, it, it no matter how strong you feel they think you're going on sometimes it's just going to come and get I you know, live every day mm. yeah. you know what i mean how old was he past 20s no, he's living in his 30s yeah. I'm, I'm terrible We've, yeah i mean yeah. 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 he'd had life got married so you know it's like some people it's not about how long longevity what you actually do in the years isn't it it's, it's not it, i think it's it is what you do in the years but it's the effect you have on people in those years yeah and, and now he's had that last effect on me because he's kind of every talk show, every podcast I go on now, he's that catalyst. And I'm, I, I, he changed my life, literally. Yeah. And, and I've, I've seen literally, he was here one moment and he was gone the next, just yeah. like that. And then that very thin line, so trippy to like comprehend. Mm. And so I live my life by that now. Do you know what? I'm not going to have a regret. Mm. I'm going to do my best. If I do mess up, I mess up. I'm not going to guilt trip myself. Yeah. Mm. Like I was saying earlier, we all make mistakes. Okay, that didn't work out. I can learn from that and try not to make that mistake again. But I'm not going to go to bed with a regret. So, Well, every person who's ever walked on this earth and every person who ever will work on this earth We'll make mistakes. Yeah. How we learn. And, well, the thing <laughs> is, regret. You can't change what you've done. Yeah. No, you can. You can. You can change your actions for the future to not do that again, or apologise if you feel if you've done something wrong. But you, you still cannot change what you've done. Yeah. You can and change you, what you do. You can change what you do. You can change your, your future in that sense. You can change someone else's future. Yeah. But it's okay to make mistakes. I tell my students, and we've had this fear bred into us by, I don't know, society, education system that we shouldn't make a mistake. It's, it's just how we learn. It's okay to make a mistake. We were saying that earlier, that we've all got kids here, and it's beautiful seeing your children fall over and get up and make a mistake. But children are so brave because there's like, never mind, you know, come on, hold daddy's hands and we'll do it. And we lose that courage as we get over because yeah. if I fail, I'm a bomb, I'm a failure. Yeah, yeah. It's just another way of learning. And, and you know what? One of the things that Dean taught me, funny enough, so, um, we used to go on holiday to Woolacombe with him every year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fantastic time as we were kids. And not long before he died, he tried to get us all to do that again. And as per usual, you know, at the age of 30, 33, everything is in your way of doing things that, that you should have done. Because he's too late now. We can't. We can't go into that. We can't have that experience because he's not here. But you just, you know, life short. Go and do those things. Make time for it. Because yeah. we should have made time to do that. Without doubt, we should but have made time. From that day, you you know do what? exactly. I'm gonna do it. I'm yeah. Gonna do it. I'm gonna stop procrastinating and just do it. It's not even. Yeah. So it's not even. I'd say procrastinating. It is just that you. you before you know it, a year's gone of your life. You know, you've, yeah. you've, 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 you've like with the start of 2024 now, and I'll be sitting here next January, going, "How the hell are we in January?" Oh, February now, should I say? But you know what I mean. It just goes that quick, doesn't it? And it's and you are busy just on living life. But stop and make time for those moments. Mm, we've all done that like, in the lockdown, the best one, or on holiday, and going, you know what? I'm going to spend the small stuff now, or I'm going to make more time for my missus. And but as soon as you're back in the rat race, bump you back in mm. there. And sometimes it's pressing pause. Yes, I need to work. Yes, I need to make money. But yes, I need to make these people who I've picked to be with feel special i need to have quality time with my family i need to have quality time with my friends that's not getting smashed every weekend from thursday to tuesday but it's every so often 
I am going to meet up with the lads. Hmm. And we're going to go. And because these are my lifelong mates, I'm going to get paralytic if you didn't get paralytic, never mind. But just sit with each other and go, you know what? I enjoy your company, old pal. <laughs> you know, you might be an ugly, smelly old git, but I do like you. It's kind of <laughs> you, when you get a fr- family as well, it's your friends who not get left behind, but it's you don't you don't make the time for them, do you, that you you should. Yeah. Because you are you're busy being a family. And when you when you're kids you live in each other's pockets, no Yeah, more. that's it. But there's a point where you just go, We don't see each other every time. But oh I'm your old pal. Mm. And just making that time. So maybe that's something we could all do. Listen to this. You know your mates. If it's sending an email, a text, or heaven forbid, pick up the blower or knock on the door. I just tell someone. Knock on the door. People do that stuff. We haven't <laughs> seen each other in a while, but I do think about you often. Yeah. And I bet we're going to do something together. You know what I mean? Because that, that time, heaven forbid, we've all been there for the last couple of years, but we've lost someone too soon. And, you know, we'll ne- I would have to say this part of death, you know. And it's the time where I'll get choked up when I think about it. Some people are going, We'll never have life again. Or we'll never hold each other. And it's that death's very final, isn't it? Hmm. So before hopefully we ain't all going through it soon again, I reach out to someone and just go, you know, old pal, let's make time for each other. So if you, you want to say Dave before we finish, we'll definitely get you back on though, brother. Is there is there anything you want to say before uh No, just I love your sentiments, I love both your sentiments and you've you've said things in ways i've not really thought of before but it's, it's funny you can hear things a million times but when some one person just says it it kind of clicks doesn't it so just a few ways ways you said things tonight would really hit home um and yeah again i, I don't i'm not morbid where i fixate on death but i just think today could be my last day and i wake up every day and i just think okay what i'm going to do today mm. that if it was my last day would i look back with regrets mm. uh, and it brings that gratitude back around to the beginning of the end, isn't it? the gratitude what am i thankful for in my life the things and then the things that truly matter mm. not just yeah screens like that human connection that you were speaking of earlier and just being with your family and watching your children or whoever it is just mm. yeah just being in the moment and not being dictated controlled by a screen of vibration going off or just being just being in the moment because every time we do that, me and mommy are always laughing about it. We're watching a movie or watching a series and we're both still screaming. I go, you know what? Put down the bloody phone. Honestly. What's happened in this yeah. series? Yeah, have you noticed that our films are so short now? Like when mm. we've grown up, they used to be like three hours. Yeah. Now it's like an hour and a half because people don't have the attention span anymore. Mm. It's quite sad in a way. But when we used to go to a video shop and rent a video and we'd all sit around it, no matter how crap it was, we'd all sit there as a family going, we're one pound fifty for this. That was quality. And then rewind the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no matter what it is, but sometimes, of course, we've got to live in the moment. Don't film the rock concert. Watch the rock concert. Don't film your baby on the bike. Just be. Watch there and just go, mm. wow. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. But, bro, before you go, I always like to ask our guests is there any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? got so many in my head but not one that comes to mind um just do you know what's really helped me in life music the power of music mm. it's helped me for some dark times um and just uplifting yourself but yeah just just the inspiration of others and friends and um i say quotes there's not one that comes to my head well if you could tell yourself something or what do you tell to your pupils you know, is there anything that you just, how can we just pick yourself up? Or I'd say be authentic, have courage to be yourself, mm. for not fear of what others would think. Don't try to emulate anybody else like you, you your unique self. Just be you. And I, that's something I found very difficult growing up to actually be who I was because I thought I had to behave a certain way in the culture I was in and that my niceness would be viewed as weakness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to have that courage to be yourself and listen to your heart. And if that feels true, no matter what anyone else is saying around you, what society is telling you, if it feels right here, you follow that voice. You don't go with the, the ego mind because that, that's fear-based. Yeah, follow follow your heart. And I think that's what, that's what I tell my students and I try to teach them to see the perfection within themselves without what somebody else has told you is perfect from a screen. Or, so yeah, that's what, that's what I say, man. That's what, that's where I am. No, that's beautiful, brother. 
Well, thank you ever so much for coming on. And thank you guys for listening. So until we see each other next time, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Tarot read. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.